Hello, friends. It's that magical time. You know exactly what I'm talking about. It's time to find your balls. Welcome to the Man Made Podcast. My name is Jeff Stuckey, Emotional Genius. I feel cheated by that title, <laughs> but we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. Riding Shotgun, Greg Allen, Hands on the Wheels. Here we are. This is uh, podcast number 13, is that correct? That's right. We're into what we might call season two. Is that what? Is <laughs> yeah. that a fit? That sounds more. Yeah, we had to have a, some kind of delineator there. So yeah, we're moving into the next phase. So did you think this would still be going? I did. Wow. I, I, I okay. thought that the momentum would just keep it going where it'd be harder to stop it than to keep it going. See, I did not, I did not think that. I, I think I'm, you know what the problem is? Tell me. I am still so fucking annoyed by the sound of my own voice. Oh, come on. So I think I project that out, that everybody else is hearing whatever, and it's just like, I still yeah. have not listened to a podcast. Oh, come on. They're great, and you're, uh, your voice is, is definitely listenable, and even if there's something that people might not like about it, the content is there, so they'll get past it. I know that. <laughs> so <laughs> your words of encouragement were that my voice is definitely listenable. <laughs> Is that like the bottom line? And I don't know if you said these words, but what I heard you say was, and if they're annoyed by it, there is some content. <laughs> when you say it, it, it makes it's not as good as how I intended it. Wow. Well, thanks, Greg. With that boost to my confidence, um, I guess we should just kind of roll right into today's podcast. Yeah, it'll fit. Which is, ironically enough, fuck happiness. <laughs> Got you started on that. <laughs> like, so you just, with that in mind, yeah. fucked my happiness. Well, that's okay, because you're not about that. You're about meaning, purpose. So what, what are your thoughts on happiness and our, would it be fair to say our infatuation almost doesn't seem... Yeah. Strong enough, but I'll, I'll say that with happiness and what, what's your what's yeah. your take? Yeah, well, I kind of shy away from it, thinking that it's um, temporal and sort of self-focused. And then when, when you point out that we're infatuated with it, it makes me think more of a consumerism type of thing. We need to go out and find things that, that make us uh, just feel good for the moment. And, and, and the thing I like least about it is that it's so pointing towards ourselves. You know, and that's what I think makes it um, shallow and hollow. It's, it, I've come full circle because there was a time when I went all in on happiness and like, mm -hmm. well, yes, we yeah. should be happy all the time. And that's, you know, and, and did some consulting under the moniker of happy matters. Um, did, you know, like some corporate training gigs, those kinds of things. And it was interesting because when the discussion about happiness and in within the field of psychology started looking at it, it was in reaction to, you know, what we in our conversations have called vulnerable emotions, you know, sadness, fear, insecurity, those kinds of things, you know, and it's like, okay, well, if we can study depression, if we can study anxiety, then why can't we study happiness? Yeah. So that was kind of the first, like, well, yeah, that makes good sense. And so then that got me really going on that mm -hmm. and then found that it 
is flawed on so <laughs> many levels. Uh, I mean, so many levels. One being your observation uh, that it leads to what we often refer to as the hedonic treadmill, mm-hmm. the constant seeking of pleasure. Just yeah. you know, and it's just I'm running, but I'm not. I'm not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And the the gratification of happiness is very much like the taste of French vanilla ice cream. On the fifth bite of French vanilla <laughs> ice cream, it just tastes like vanilla. Yeah, yeah. It's like, well, this shit ain't very fucking good. And so, yeah. so then I have to, you know, I have to increase. I have to increase. But then, you know, if if happiness is such a big fucking deal, what do we do with all the tragedy? Mm-hmm. What do we do with all the pain that people are going through? Well, I can tell you what we do. Okay. We say stupid fucking shit is what we do. <laughs> that, you know, everything's going to be okay or some some version of that mm-hmm. to where if you're saying that to me, what's my response to that? Now, my response should be <laughs> go fuck yourself. Right? right, right. But you can't. You know, most people won't say that to other people. Yeah. And what about all of the other emotional experiences? Mm-hmm. What about sadness? What about grief? What about what about fear? What about those kinds of things? It cuts you off from all of your other emotional experiences. And we as men already struggle with this, right? Mm-hmm. Because in our yeah. four conflicts, right? So we're socialized not to feel vulnerable feelings. So then now it's like on one hand we're saying that, you know, the meaning of life is happiness. And then we're already socialized with this predisposition to stay away from those uncomfortable emotions. So you could see what it would set men up for just in terms of that hedonic, pleasurable seeking treadmill that we're just constantly running and yet never going anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, there's no place to fit anything, but that it just doesn't allow a framework for saying, well, I can also feel this and this and this it's either I'm happy or I'm not. It sounds like, you know, and that's not good. Yeah. (laughs) And if I'm not happy, then I have to get happy. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, right. And and the other, and I'll tell you where this really started to break down for me was working with clients who have been sexually abused. That's a trauma unique to itself um, and not the not the purposes of our conversation today, but it's like when you're sitting with somebody that's telling you about their sexual abuse trauma, (laughs) you know, and I'm over here thinking, how the fuck am I going to make that happy? Yeah. And, but not only that, how are you going to redeem that experience? Mm -hmm. I mean, do you just tell them that you're going to feel as bad about yourself as you do right now for the rest of your life? So it's like, okay, I don't have, I don't have a sufficient paradigm to, I got to, catch up in a hurry to help the these people find some takeaway mm-hmm. out of this life experience and 
you know, one of the books that I've read that's been critical to just my overall thinking uh, is Victor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. Mm-hmm. And through his surviving the atrocities of Auschwitz and coming out of that and finding meaning in his life and not only finding meaning in his life, but finding meaning in Auschwitz, Mm -hmm. a strength where he was able to stay connected to himself and connected to the men that he suffered with in a truly meaningful way. And that's when I started thinking, fuck happiness. (laughs) Seems a little extreme, but okay. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> maybe, maybe not. I mean, we can, we can talk that through. Yeah. But, um, but if that's the other option, either focus on it a hundred percent or just neglect it, then yeah, you're safer neglecting it because it's, it's not a, it's not a healthy base for every emotion. Right. When, and you know, the, I think we as a field, you know, psychology are, are a little bit guilty because we took things like depression and anxiety and, those kinds of emotions. And we said, no, those are pathological. And, you know, if you, if you have those, then, you know, you have a mental health issue. Mm -hmm. And so what ended up happening is that people would just be more in denial about the uncomfortable emotional experiences that they were having. I'm not having this. I'm not having this. I'm not, which would almost be like having a wound that's infected that you're just not treating. Yeah. And the infection just continues, you know, no, no, I don't have gangrene. No, I, you know, my arm's not going to fall off. And then I end up having to have my arm amputated, but I, but it's all a result of me trying to be happy like everybody else. Mm -hmm. So what do we what do we do now? <laughs> now that we fuck happiness, what, yeah. do, we, what do we do? <laughs> well, I wanted to ask you about the um, context of being in a group of people. So it seems like you could all be in a bad way. <laughs> There's something to where it's like, okay, this is a bad circumstance. I, I've been in that before with a, a group of people, and it's like whatever's going on here, this is bad, and we got to get out of it. But it's like you can set aside the fact that you're miserable in order to help out the next guy that's maybe more miserable than you, or it doesn't matter just to help out other people. So it's like you've set your sights on something else. So is that kind of a, a example of how to not be thinking of happiness and focus on something bigger? Absolutely. And I think probably the, what precedes that is that emotions are just emotions. All of my emotions are meant to be felt right? They all serve a purpose. Um, There's been some research out that should, this is, I'm not exactly representing it the right way, but should depression, you know, clinical depression, major depressive disorder, should that even be a thing? Or should our familiarity and our understanding and our comfort level of comfort with depression be as familiar as it is with happiness? Hmm. And the answer to that is yes, it should. Oh, okay. It, I, so rather than thinking, you know, happiness is what I need to be pursuing and I, I need to be feeling happy all of the time or something's wrong with me, our, our base has to be 
that we get out of that place of judging our feelings Mm -hmm. as good or bad. And, and for men, right? Most of us, that is our emotional continuum. It's either good or bad. Yeah. Yeah. And then this goes back to things that we've talked about before. So then I also say that if, if I'm being effective as a man, then my wife's going to be happy because happiness is the be all end all. Right. (laughs) Then if she's not happy, then I've done something wrong, right? Mm-hmm. And so now, rather than just, hey, my wife is feeling an emotion other than happiness, mm-hmm. wonder what that's about, mm-hmm. then we jump in and we start trying to fix mm-hmm. these emotions. Yeah. And then, of course, she gets pissed off because we're invalidating what she's feeling. And we're over here thinking, well, no, I'm just trying to make you happy. And she's like, yeah, that's the fucking problem. I didn't ask you to try to make me happy. Right, right. And so it may sound like not a significant thing, you know, fuck happiness and we need to, but it's like when you start to see some of the logical conclusions and where it can go, you know, if I got to put pressure on my child, you know, to be happy all the time, What's wrong with you? Go to your room until you can get in a better mood. I mean, do you remember adolescence? <laughs> yeah. It's a fucking yeah. nightmare, dude. I know. It, I know. Was that not terrible? Yeah. Why do you have to go through it? <laughs> Jeez, man. What do you think? You're about 10 years old when you start thinking with your dick? 11, 12? I don't know. It's cruel, whatever the age is, where you're just like, I've got to wait another 10 years before I can use this thing? Like... <laughs> And I've got to get married first. That's a shout out to your tribe. Thank you. Um, yeah, that's awful. No, that's why your son's pissed off all the time. <laughs> well, I was thinking there was more to it and just the growth process. But okay, I, that's one element that could mess you up. <laughs> I think there's something important there. But anyway, maybe not. Maybe I digressed. But yeah. point being, the implications of our infatuation with happiness mm-hmm. and how it can so shrink our life down to literal meaninglessness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not, not that we would ever, not that we would ever admit it. Right. Cause we got to smile, put the pasty <laughs> smile on. Fine. How are you today? Fine. Just fine. Having no clue, but it's like, okay. So the first thing then is, if we can stop labeling some emotions as, you know, more acceptable than others and accepting our emotional experiences Mm -hmm. as, you know, we we have a funny way of saying this, that their feelings are neither good nor bad. Mm -hmm. They just are. Mm -hmm. And then let myself feel that feeling Mm -hmm. and then explore why I'm feeling that. Yeah. Rather than because we're we're so especially as men we're somewhat Pavlovian right oh I feel bad yeah ring the bell salivate find pleasure yeah yeah so then here I go you know go on to Pornhub or drink too much bourbon which I may or may have not done last night you know <laughs> we do all of these things to get away from that negative feeling mm-hmm. and then we end up never really experiencing relationships at all yeah wow. And I want to get into that deeper in a minute, but I want to go back to the part about um, if your wife is experiencing something 
And we, we want to fix that. We want to say, hey, that looks like a bad emotion. <laughs> Let's get rid of it. Right. But talk a little bit more about how we can sit with her in that emotion, not necessarily drag her down, but be with her and allow her to feel it. And I can't emphasize this enough. And I, I, I want to say it. The first thing we have to do is we have to stop feeling our wife's feelings, mm-hmm. right? Okay. So we feel, so if I'm having a conversation with my wife, the fancy word that we use for this is called external locus of control, which means when you feel something, I become completely preoccupied with your emotional experience. Okay. And I get lost in that experience and the obligation of changing it or fixing it, right? Why didn't you do this? Or you just need to do this or, yeah. or that sort of thing. So that external locus of control, is that's a very real thing. And so the opposite of that is internal locus of control, which means I manage my own feelings and then I have to extend that to my wife you're in charge of your feelings. Mm-hmm. You're an adult. Whatever you're feeling, one, I don't know why because yeah. I'm not a mind reader. Right, right. So we can't even take that level of responsibility into oh. the interaction. Right. And then that goes back to just that curiosity. I, if, if my wife were laughing about something, you know, and I'd sit down next to her and I'd say, hey, babe, what are you laughing about? With that level of sincere curiosity, yeah, that's what we have to start to do with all emotions. Yeah, if she's upset, if she's crying, babe, what what's bothering you? Yeah, yeah. And then we do this thing: shut the fuck up. <laughs> that's a big second step. Huh? Shut <laughs> up! Don't say another word. Wait for her to express what she's feeling in a meaningful way. And I can't emphasize that enough. Guys, if you're in a relationship, look up external locus of control. Look up internal locus of control. Because I need those things to be very real to you because part of the mark of maturity is moving from external locus of control, total dependent on my parent, as an infant, Mm -hmm. to an internal locus of control, I'm responsible for me, I'm responsible for building relationships, connecting, all of those kinds of things. So that has to become very, very real. And then I'm just curious about what my partner's feeling. Yeah. And the question you ask, I think it's critical to your word choice there to get that right. You didn't say, why are you feeling this way? You said, what has made, or um, how'd you say it? Tell me about your feelings or what has caused you to feel yeah. this way. Yeah. Because the why seems to almost imply you shouldn't be having that. Why do you have it? Right. Okay. So is that the key we got to make sure don't use the why? Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And, and but, the, but that key and just what are you feeling? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's that simple. What are you feeling? And then our responsibility is done at that point. Okay. And then we just sit there in that emotional experience with her not trying to change it, mm-hmm. but and I feel like I'm being redundant on this, but it's like it's not our fault she's not happy. 
Yeah. Or at, at best, it's undetermined as to whether or not if it's our fault. Yeah. But one of the reasons that she's probably unhappy is because we're always trying to make her fucking happy. And then when she's not happy, we're like, what's the matter, babe? Did I do something wrong? And then she's oh, married yeah. to a child and she's like, yeah, in fact, you did. Get away from me. Yeah, yeah. And so it's just being being curious in that moment. Same with your kids. Mm-hmm. One of the things, I had a conversation with a client recently and he was talking about his adolescent son's attitude when he mows the grass or takes the trash out or something. Yeah. And I'm like, I asked him, like, why the fuck does his attitude matter? <laughs> like, if I asked you to take the trash out, are you going to be like, well, golly gee, Jeff, thanks for picking me. I'll get right on. I mean, <laughs> mm-hmm. take the trash out. I don't give a shit if your attitude's bad or not. Yeah. I'm asking you to do it because I don't want to do it. Yeah. And that's another place that we can be curious. And I see parents, you know, we worship our children. At, they're so friggin' important, you know. Every one of them, I guess, is going to be a professional athlete, although the statistics <laughs> don't bear that out. Right. Uh, right. But they all have to be on travel this and select yeah. that and yeah. all of those kinds of things. And it's like, your kid ain't that fucking important. I mean... <laughs> There's 7 billion of us on the planet. I mean, it just, they don't put that pressure on them Mm -hmm. to live their life in some sort of way that's supposed to make you look like you've got your shit together. Because newsflash, we already know you don't have your shit together. (laughs) Right, right. So it's that level of curiosity that I, I just am interested in what's going on with you. Yeah. That I can't emphasize enough. Yeah. No, that's great. That's great. Well, um, let's get back to the the bigger picture of, in our own life, why we shouldn't lift up happiness as the ultimate emotion. So, you know, what would you say would be a good context for feeling all the emotions, you know, or what is the ultimate purpose if it's not to be happy? So now we're in this place, right, where we're not judging one emotion. Okay. As superior to another, right? right? So so happiness is no longer our holy grail. Okay. And whenever we whenever we say, okay, my emotional experiences are all purposeful, they all have meaning. Mm-hmm. Suddenly my life experience has just completely changed. There is a you're gonna have to do this on me because my Bible study skills aren't up. Mm-hmm. But there's a passage, I think it's in Philippians, where Paul talks about comfort in all things. He's yeah. been rich, he's been poor, he's been in prison. I'm, I don't yeah. know, was that close? Yeah, yeah. It's good. been a while. Um, that's a real thing. When all of your experiences have meaning, and for men, this is where we've, this is a place where we can start to grow. Okay. One, developing just our emotional intelligence that, okay, I do feel things. Yeah. And rather than constantly trying to make myself feel good, I'm just, I'm going to start to feel some things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what I encourage men to do is I'm a huge fan of journaling for a lot of different reasons. But what I encourage men to do is journal every day. 
Now, you don't have to go buy a fancy-ass leather-bound journal, whatever, okay? In fact, when I have clients work with journaling, I, I encourage them to write on a scrap of paper, and then when they're done, just throw it away. Okay. Because what I have found is that when there's no record of it, people feel safer to really kind of oh, yeah. just write. Yeah. Yeah their truest thoughts yeah. and truest feelings. And here, here's the lesson is without judging. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting down and I always tell people, your first journal entry will be my fucking therapist told me to write in a journal. I don't know what the hell I'm supposed to be writing. Okay. That's your first. Yeah. And it's literally just whatever's in your mind. Mm-hmm. And once you've written it, the, the utility is the writing of it's, itself. Oh, okay. Yeah. The use of, find motor skills to focus on writing, spelling words, you know, all those kinds of things. It's almost a form. It is a form of anchoring as in meditation and that non judgment. Mm -hmm. Those are just my thoughts. Mm -hmm. Those are thoughts that I was having and they're not good. They're not bad. I'm just, those were thoughts that I was having as kind of a first step into this area where we have been, socialized to stay out of and then from there trying to start to actually use some emotional vocabulary. So then the next phase of journaling is what am I feeling and why Mm -hmm. and use feeling, you know, because most times when you, when you people, when you ask somebody what they're feeling, they'll respond with a thought, right? Hey, Greg, what are you feeling right now? I'm feeling like my boss is a fucking asshole. <laughs> okay. That's a thought. Yeah. Oh, I got it. Yeah. An it's actual, not a feeling. It's, yeah. It's not a feeling. <laughs> you pay attention to that. Yeah. Okay. That's good. 98% of the time when you ask somebody what they're feeling, they will respond with a thought. Okay. <laughs> and I bet I'm hedging on that. It's probably... Anyway, I can't imagine a guy ever answering the question, how are you feeling? Like, right. Oh, fuck give me no. Fe- <laughs> no. That's good. What? <laughs> I'm feeling like, and then we'll go into some kind of thought or something like yeah. that. Okay. So then in that, in, while I'm journaling, I'm identifying that, okay, I'm feeling exhausted. I'm feeling, you know, physical or emotional. And then why am I feeling this way? Mm-hmm. What's causing me to feel anxious? What's causing me to feel fearful? What's causing me to feel angry? What's causing me to feel overwhelmed? What's causing me to feel happy? I mean, we don't want to neglect happiness, but we just don't want to make it the sum total of the emotional experience that we're seeking out. And so those are two simple ways that men can start to explore that arena. Mm -hmm. Just getting comfortable journaling, whatever crazy ass thoughts are in my head without judging them and then asking myself the question, what am I feeling? And then trying to identify why am I feeling that emotion? Yeah. yeah. Now I did an exercise about 10 years ago uh, where I thought I had a good range of emotions until I, I was presented with a page full of emotions, just words that represented it. And then you're supposed to write something about various ones that popped out at you and when I tried to about, write about one of them, I mean, it was like I was trying to press the pen through the paper. It was like hard and rough, and I couldn't even read the writing, you know, which you know, I, I don't generally write that way. And it's like, wow, I think I struck a chord on that one, you know? And it was resentment. That was my 
thing that was just killing me. And I needed to discover why, you know, what expectations was I putting on someone or something that wasn't coming to pass. And that's a great exercise. And, you know, probably a good thing for, for guys to think about doing is just, you know, Google emotional vocabulary, yeah. or emotional words, and just, yeah. you know, find some words that start to start to fit into that. You know, we have our primary emotional experiences, but, you know, resentment is a form of anger. So anger is a primary, resentment secondary, you know, those kinds of things. But getting that, increasing that emotional vocabulary, and it's, it's hard to get guys to buy in on this. Yeah. It's hard to... You know, it's kind of like now it starts to get a little woo-woo and goofy. You mm -hmm. know, it's like well, emotional vocabulary, huh? Should I do that or drink a beer? Eh, fucking drink a beer. <laughs> uh, which, hey, no judgment. I tend to, you know, if I'm given the choices between finding emotional vocabularies and drink some bourbon, I'm going <laughs> to I mean, I, let me just say it this way. It's not an obvious choice which one I'm going to do. So I understand that, but having had that growth to where I have emotional words that I'm comfortable with that just help me identify what it is that I'm feeling mm -hmm. and then gets me closer to the cause. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, man, you want to know what the biggest one is for me? Mm. Loneliness. Oh, wow. Dude, I feel that shit a lot. Uh -uh. I mean, it just, and I, some of it, I think it's an occupational hazard, yeah. you know, because you have to, a therapy session is so not about what you're feeling and what yeah. your client's going through, but dude, I can. And then when I get into that loneliness oh, shit, yeah. bro, <laughs> then I, that's, I, I can deep dive into darkness. <laughs> then I get catastrophic thinking going and oh. nobody cares about me and all kinds of shit. So I, so I have to be very mindful of loneliness for two reasons. One it's I'm just a needy little bitch. Mm -hmm. And uh, two, if I'm not mindful of it, then it'll take me in a direction that I, I it's like, that's bad. Right, right. That's, that's going to be really bad for me. Yeah. And, and that's what resentment did with me. But it took years to kind of uncover that, to realize there was nothing behind that that was causing it that I couldn't either deal with or own it myself. There wasn't someone out there or something out there that I could say, oh, well, that's your fault or whatever. It's like, no, that's just my response to that. And, uh, and yeah, but I, I had to bail out of it like you're talking about, you know, deliberately. Right, right. And I think that's where oftentimes because we, we don't have the capacity to be able to identify those emotions and then kind of, you know, track them down, what's mm -hmm. causing this or what do I need to do instead, then it pushes us back in that – towards hedonism, right? Pleasure, mm -hmm. got to find some pleasure, yeah. some happiness, that sort of thing. And then oftentimes that's where we get stuck because it's like, well, I don't want to think that I'm a shitty person, you know, but I just spent three hours looking at porn or I just got trashed or I pick your version, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. I put off something that I needed to yeah. do, yeah. any of those kinds of things where it's like, well, but I am kind of a shitty person it just the imp, the implications are just so significant as to what we're trying to accomplish uh, overall. Mm -hmm. It's not compelling, is it? What's that? I mean, you're not sitting there excited about going home and googling emotional vocabulary. <laughs> How do we make that fucking interesting, man? Yeah. 
the, the value to it and, and the cost of not doing it. That's the big thing. All right. Because if you, if you don't do it, you're stuck with the small world. And I, I think another part of that that we need to touch on is just the meaning of life. Is there a difference there? You know, I mean, one of them is like you're going to experience life more if you can uh, name and, and point to more emotions, uh, but just a purpose in all life. Absolutely. And that's, you know, and I think you make a good point because what is meaning of life? You know, for, I, I mean, ours, I don't know. Mine, you know, the meaning of life is to be as present as I can possibly be. Yeah. yeah. You know, so I'm not a guy. I'm not an afterlife guy. I'm not a, you know, I, for me, the meaning of life is not getting to a better place. It's I get one trip through. Yeah, yeah. And so I want to be as present in every experience as I can. I don't want to be having a conversation with you but not be present in that conversation because of all that background noise. Yeah, yeah. How would you say, what would you say your meaning of life is? Yeah, well, you know, just to kind of run parallel to what you're saying, so, you know, so I am focused on an afterlife, but it's not so much that I want to get there, but that I want to bring that here, that, that kingdom of heaven idea so in order to do that, it's interacting with people and understanding myself. So with, with this topic, I can't get hung up on something as shallow as happiness. Right. Because <laughs> I know that's right. going to mess it up. Um, so being present and being there for other people, understanding their emotions so that I can support them, that seems like a meaning to me. Man, you know, the Lord's Prayer is useful. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just really... yeah. Regardless of your faith orientation, obviously, but that, I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's useful. There is a and there's there's such a present tense focus mm-hmm. in the Lord's Prayer mm-hmm. that seems oftentimes to get lost mm-hmm. with religious people. Mm-hmm. Like you know, it's all about getting to Disney World and <laughs> you know not going to the yeah. to the bad place. But anyway, um, yeah. well, something that just occurred to me recently. Um, is I, I was always stumped on this idea of lead me not into temptation. It's like, well, you know what? I don't think God was going to do that anyway. <laughs> so what was that about? But <laughs> but when we look, uh, Andy Stanley mentioned a while back that if we look at Jesus's command, which was follow me, then, okay, well, when I'm choosing not to follow Jesus, well, let me say it differently, when I'm choosing to follow myself, <laughs> my own agenda, that's the temptation to follow my own agenda. And so I need to, you know, set that aside. And I'm, I'm saying, hey, help me not to do that, you know, to, to follow Jesus. But yeah, each, each of those phrases, it's like can transform your life, any one of them, yeah. you know. But I, I think we get into a, a rote kind of thing, like, well, let's just say that, you know. And right. let's even make sure we say it like Paul did in the Old English. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right. <laughs> and that's one of the things, you know, because it's kind of interesting because I've, my post-religious life uh, have found Buddhism um, very compelling just from a teachings sort of perspective. And, mm-hmm. you know, one of the fundamental beliefs is that life is suffering. Mm-hmm. And you look around and you it's impossible to deny, right? Right, right. I mean, it's, yeah. And it may not be you, but it's somebody else. Yeah. 
And when we have that happiness orientation, we just become blind to the suffering around us. Mm-hmm. And the meaning that can be found in giving someone else comfort. Yeah. And is there a better feeling than being comforted? Yeah. That's great. I mean, it's tough, right? Yeah. Because I, it, I, fuck, I don't even need And I have a couple of buddies um, that older guys that have been mentors to me. And when I'm losing my shit <laughs> and call one of those guys or yeah. get together with those guys, it's like a fucking blanket, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then they will always have some story that is like as fucked up, if not more <laughs> like, okay. Oh Jeff, you think that's a big deal? Let me tell you about this. Yeah, and it's yeah. like, God, I'm not the only idiot. Yeah. There's yeah. totally. Yeah. And I think that comfort idea tells you that you have value and that's what we want. You know, we want to know that we have value. We just want people to know us, you know? And so when somebody's comforting us, the situation may not be relevant. It's just the fact that, wow, we have enough value where they care. Yeah, so. it's, it's, it's too bad that no one's probably listening anymore. <laughs> Is this, are we recording? They're, they're like, they're like comfort. Like what? Yeah. Like this Screw this, man. Okay. Season two is off to a shit start, man. Well, is this what we're going to be talking about now? Uh, look, no, I, we're going to talk more about porn. Yeah, that'll bring the numbers back up. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, uh, I think we can redeem it with the idea that even if we don't try to tell you or offer you any ideas for what meaning is, we can say that the more present you are and the more... Uh, adept you are at experiencing emotions and not judging them, that the more you'll experience life and the more you can embrace whatever meaning you want to put on it. And and there's a, another interesting phenomenon, like in the wake of the positive mental attitude and, you know, all that kind of shit, um, negative correlation to anxiety and depression. So, like, even though everybody likes posting that shit on Facebook, it only increases anxiety and depression yeah. because it's not it's not attached to reality. Mm-hmm. You know, you you can't be anything you want to be. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes, and you know, the, I wish I could think of a good one where you feel like you're at your breaking point, but it's like, but you're having a breakthrough, not a breakdown, mm-hmm. and it's like. No, I'm pretty fucking sure I'm having a breakdown. I yeah. mean, I'm, yeah. I don't know what, you know, all of that yeah. kind of stuff. And especially as men, because we need comforted. Mm-hmm. We need we need more than anything to fuck happiness. Mm-hmm. Because right. I think all of us are tired of the endless pursuit of it. I think yeah. we're tired of trying to make the people happy around us. We're tired of the pressure that we put on ourselves or gets put on us. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, it, it ain't, it, it just, it's a con and we're not going to play the con game anymore. And we are going to find meaning and we are going to start to comfort one another when we need to be comforted. 
Wow, that's that's great. So that, I think you did redeem all the uh, rambling and tangents. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll <laughs> well, see I think that's good. Up we get or whatever. whatever that's good admonition to leave our listeners with. All right. And uh, as always, your first step to manhood, and if you're a woman, womanhood, uh, whatever hood you're pursuing, <laughs> hit the subscribe. Give us five stars. If it's pity stars. Give us the pity story. We'll accept that, right? We, oh, absolutely. They, they spend the same shit, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm just, I mean, if you really like it, that's awesome too. But if it's pity, we are not above your pity yeah. um, either way. And yeah. interact with us on Facebook at Becoming Man Made Today. Uh, or check out our website, becomingmanmade.com. So. All of the above. And we will see you back next time for the ongoing season two. All right. Thank you, Chef. All right. <laughs>